True Crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. First of all, I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far. I know last week's episode was really rough to get through. I promise this week is going to be a little bit different. I mean, we talk about murder and death all of the time. So, you know, the topics aren't necessarily light. But this one, I mean, we're back to our normally scheduled program, if you will. But if you are not having a good week, I really hope it gets better for you. Uh, Secondly, I just have some housekeeping. If you do not follow True Crime and Academia on social media, then you need to. You can follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok by searching at True Crime in Academia. Also, follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, my parent podcast, at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on TikTok and Instagram at the Ivory Boiler Room on Twitter, and just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook, and you can like our page there. Secondly, if you are not a subscriber, then you should be. For $5 a month, you get access to extra bonus content, including videos of all of the interviews that we do. And this month, I will be releasing extra special exclusive subscriber only content that like I said if you're not a subscriber you're not going to be able to access it so if you want to check those out I suggest you go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber there as always true crime and academia is strictly used for educational purposes and I never condone the actions of any of these criminals that I discuss in the episodes And with that, my dears, I have a very popular case for you today. I'm very, I get excited is the wrong word to use, but I, I'm very much looking forward to breaking down this case for you all. Cause like I said, it's very well known. I'm sure you all will know about it. So without further ado, let's get into it. On February 1st, 2013, the LAPD received a call about a missing person. The missing woman was reported by her parents after they hadn't heard from her the day before, which was odd since she had spoken with them every single day. The woman was staying at the Cecil Hotel while she visited and explored Los Angeles. LAPD searched the hotel and canvassed the area, but there was no sign of the missing woman. 18 days later, on February 20th, A maintenance worker from the hotel was sent to find a possible clog as many of the hotel residents were complaining of low water pressure and discolored, foul-tasting water. When he arrived at one of the tanks, he found a woman's body. She was naked and floating face up. Her clothes and shoes had already sunk into the bottom. The woman was the missing person that they had been looking for. Her name was Elisa Lamb. Elisa Lamb was born on April 30th, 1991. She was one of two daughters to Hong Kong immigrants now living in Canada. Her parents owned a Chinese restaurant to make a living. Elisa was described as being outgoing, friendly, and intelligent. She attended the University of British Columbia and loved being on social media, specifically Tumblr, where her name was Novella Nouveau. Oh, the days of Tumblr. Now, I'm exactly or close to a year 
younger or I am a year younger than Elisa Lamb. And I remember the Tumblr craze when I went to college. And it was fun. It was artsy. It was sexy. It was just totally different than Facebook, which I think Instagram had started to come on the scene at the time. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was something new. It was something fun. It was something fresh. And, you know, there were lots of different types of content you could find on Tumblr. And many people also, people also used it as a blog, which Elisa did. And she felt very comfortable, like many others, expressing herself on Tumblr. And she kind of even used it more as a diary. Now, Elisa was diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder. And she did discuss this on her Tumblr. She discussed her disp- experiences with depression and mania and all the things that sadly come with having bipolar one disorder in one of those posts she describes her experience as having like a few good days followed by a week of staying in bed now this did not deter Elisa from her travel plans because she desperately wanted to travel and see the world so she decided that she wanted to see a few different cities in California She vaguely posted this kind of itinerary on Tumblr and even had like a few uh, meetup requests, like, you know, just saying to people, you know, because she wanted to meet new people, too. So she had posted on her Tumblr like, yeah, you know, accepting applications for, you know, meeting up with anyone type of a thing. So because of that, we kind of have an idea of what she did. So we know that she had left Vancouver and arrived in San Diego She spent some time in San Diego and then traveled to L.A. where she booked a room at the Cecil Hotel. Now, she had planned to see more of California, but sadly, she never got to. Now, so if the Cecil Hotel rings any bells for you, there is a reason. Despite the beautiful hotel lobby with marble floors and pillars and gorgeous statues, it is considered to many to be a flop house. As you get into the different rooms of the hotel, most people noticed that the carpets were sticky and the rooms were just overall filthy. But the unsanitary conditions of this hotel are not the reason why it's famous. It's famous for death. In 1924, the Cecil Hotel was built in downtown LA for $1 million and opened three years later. It has 700 rooms and the cost of staying there was really low. It was considered to be a traveler's hotel, but like everyone else in the United States, they came upon hard times during the Depression. And at this time, it was kind of used as like a safe haven for the poor that could afford it. Because if you remember the Great Depression and all what happened with that, you know, many people lost their homes. So if you could afford it, most people would go and stay there because of how cheap it was. But eventually, it becomes a place for drugs, prostitution, robberies, and a hideout for murderers. In 1927, the first of many suicides at the hotel is documented. I had seen, I think it was on Wikipedia, they had had a list, and it said that someone by the name of Mr. Cook, who was in his 50s, had shot himself in the head. I have not been able to verify that with any other sources, so take that as you will, but it does seem like that was the first suicide that was documented. A few years later, in 1931, now this is confirmed, a man named W.K. Norton killed himself. In 1934, another resident had committed suicide by slitting their own throat with a razor. 
Later on in 1962, a woman jumped out of her hotel room window during an argument with her husband and actually killed a man who was walking on the street below. Two years later, in 1964, a woman known to the hotel as a tenant, nicknamed Pigeon Goldie because she was always seen feeding the pigeons, was attacked in her room in the middle of the day. She was raped and strangled to death. In the 80s, rapist and serial killer Richard Ramirez stayed there and would often come back from his killings. So he would go into the alleyway that was close by, undress, and then walk through the hotel to get to his room just barefoot and in his blood-stained underwear. And of course, no one said anything. In the 90s, an Austrian killer named Jack Unterweger was working out as a journalist during this time. And he was just recently released from prison because he was convicted for having killed someone. And in Austria at that time, they had noticed that there was a string of bodies around where he was after he was released. And then he decides he's going to go on with his journalistic adventures and do research on the red light district in L.A. And of course bodies start popping up and of course he stayed at the Cecil Hotel he was actually able to go on drive-alongs with officers at this time but of course he wasn't really doing anything related to journalism he just really found a new hunting ground because he picked up where he left off and he killed mainly prostitutes so yeah I don't think he was really um, doing any journalism I think he was just trying to find an easier, better way to get away with what he was doing. Many other suicides, murders, rapes, and assaults and robberies have been reported at the Cecil Hotel. So much so that most people see it as like a dark nexus or a hotbed for death. Some even claim that the hotel is haunted. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Cecil Hotel was kind of seen as a flop house and still is. And... It is used as an alternative to an apartment because it is cheap to live there. Just to give you an idea, in 2013, it was around $85 a night to stay there, which, as you know, is pretty cheap. So it just attracts people who are on the run or are fresh out of jail because, you know, no one's really checking to make sure you're staying there as far as getting an apartment is concerned. You know, if you're a sex offender, you have to register, you have to do all of these things, and the likelihood of you being able to get an apartment is very slim, so a lot of them would go and stay at the Cecil Hotel, or any, you know, offender at that rate. Thousands of 911 calls have been made to the police during the years before Elisa was there, and even while she was there. Police say that they would get at least three to four calls from the Cecil Hotel per day for calls relating to domestic violence, drug-related offenses, assaults, and stabbings. And in one instance, women reported on being spied on from the communal bathrooms. So why is this, what, what started out as being a decent hotel, how does it become such a home for violence? Well, it just so happens to be in one of the most violent and dangerous neighborhoods in downtown LA, Skid Row. Hey, true crime friends, you've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, pre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a -a one-of-a-kind gift 
or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, if you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, go to Mandy Made It on Facebook and Instagram. Send her a DM and order today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For those of you who don't know, Skid Road is a 56-block area around the Cecil Hotel. It has existed for over 100 years, and it is said that between 5,000 and 10,000 have lived or lived on Skid Row. The highest numbers of people living on Skid Row were during the Depression. Today, though, there are roughly between 5,000 and 8,000 homeless people living on Skid Row. Now, all the homeless services are in this area, and it has become a dumping ground for people either released from jail or mental health institutions. They are literally just dropped off there. It is the only place where the homeless people weren't kicked out of the streets. Because, you know, they could go anywhere and try and set up a camp or whatever, and police would kick them out. So Skid Row was literally the only place where they weren't being kicked out. And people were just allowed to suffer there. And crime, violence, drugs are so prominent in this area. And women are victim number one. Many women often go missing, get attacked, or get trafficked for sex in this area. Now, I am not saying that the homeless population is the cause of all this violence. It is more nuanced than that. You know, now obviously, not every homeless person commits a crime. However, being homeless can cause people to do desperate things. Also, it's not like anyone is monitoring who gets to live there. So I think it is a combination of desperate circumstances and the mentality of some of the criminals that live there. Because some of the people who live on Skid Row obviously are criminals. Like I just said, they would drop people off who are just released from prison or people who are on the run. And I am not trying to make this a poor shaming or poor blaming for why Skid Row is so dangerous. It, it is what it is. Now, Lisa Lamb checked into the hotel on January 28th of 2013. She was placed in room 506, which was a female bunk with community showers down the hall. And she was rooming with a couple other women. She was expected to check out on February 1st. Now, at some point before Elisa stayed at the hotel, the hotel went under new ownership and updated the hotel and tried to, you know, update the hotel's dark image. So they made a separate hotel within the hotel called Stay on Main. And basically what they did was they took floors four, five, and six and made them this separate hotel. It had a separate, more modern lobby and overall different staff. And it was treated like a separate hotel, despite literally the hotel being connected by the elevators. 
it was said that this was the hotel area that Elisa was staying at. And while she was in L.A., it was said that she walked around, she toured the city, you know, she went to a TV show taping and visited a bookstore. The night before her disappearance, Elisa was moved to another room due to some issues she had with her bunkmates. Now, on this day, it was said that she visited the bookstore that I just talked about, and it was called The Last Bookstore. There, she bought a few books, and the shop clerk um, who remembered seeing her there said that she had kind of become concerned with, like, the amount of books that she was getting and if they were going to be too heavy and if she was going to be able to take them with her traveling or be able to get them back home. And for whatever reason, they put them in a box. And two men caught on the hotel's footage were seen assisting her with this box. So they give her the box when she gets to the hotel, and then they leave. The next day, she was reported missing. Now, police looked for clues to find out what could have happened to Elisa. And with the cooperation of the hotel, police were given the surveillance footage. After watching and searching through hours of video footage, they finally find Elisa getting on an elevator. And what they see in this video haunts them. And if you know anything about this case, you know about this video. I had seen it probably a year or two after her um, her death. And I was haunted, absolutely haunted by it. I, I think I had nightmares for a few nights after just because it is it, it is so creepy and just strange. So I'm going to try my best to explain what happens in the video. I will try to, I mean, if you search YouTube and search Elisa Lamb, you will find this video. It's about four minutes long. Like I said, I'm going to do my best to try and describe it for you all. Um, but if you can, I would, like I said, just go to YouTube and look for it. Look at it for yourself. So in the video, we see Elisa gets on the elevator. And it seems like she's pressing all the buttons in the middle row. And then she just, you know, goes back into, like, the corner opposite of the buttons. Like, most people probably would. And she seems pretty calm, you know. But then things start to get weird. She starts to go towards the doors that aren't shutting for whatever reason and looks both ways. Like as if someone's like if she's looking for someone or thinks someone's following her. And then she immediately tucks herself into that corner where the buttons are. So she can't be seen, but she keeps getting out of that corner and looking more toward the right. And she would like start to go out and then kind of just like jump out. And then she would kind of walk back in almost like this very strange boxy type of dance. Eventually, she gets out of the elevator, and at one point, you can really only see her arms. And again, the elevator doors are still open, and the elevator is not moving. Now, she jumps back in the hotel or in the elevator. She jumps back into the elevator and presses more buttons and then gets out again. And this is where her hand movements start to get really strange. Like, it almost like she looks like at one point, like she's trying to pet some invisible thing that isn't there and a lot of people suspect that maybe she's talking to someone and it isn't much longer after this where she exits to the left of the elevator now the video continues and the elevator is empty and still nothing happens we're just you know you're literally just staring at a blank elevator or at an empty elevator as time is passing 
And it's creepy because, again, like I said, not the, this elevator is not moving. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why is it not moving? Eventually, just like that, the elevator starts to close and everything's fine and it starts moving normally. Now, some people suspect supernatural things interfering. But regardless of what you think, this video went viral and it became an international sensation, for lack of a better word. You know, people noticed that she was stable on her feet. She doesn't appear to be drunk. Some people even found like a dark shoe in the very bottom of the frame by the elevator. Like after she walks away, they see like the heel of someone else. But there, you, that's all you see. The other thing that is strange is that the timestamp appears to be unclear. Like you literally cannot see what it says. And this became a point of interest for many on the internet, especially the web sleuths. The milliseconds and seconds did not move properly, and many think that the video was slowed down. They also believe that 53 seconds must have been removed from the video, and people believe that it was edited to remove someone from the video. And I can kind of see why they say that, because when the elevator door starts to close, it's like almost like in an instant, it juts out. And that's very strange, because it moves slowly the rest of the way. So it definitely seems like someone slowed it down at that point. Now, most people suspect that there was someone she was talking to. And most people suspect that it was someone at the hotel. Someone that could have had access to the video. Because why would you tamper with this if you weren't guilty of something, right? This video is just one of the very many strange coincidences that come up in this case which I will discuss in depth with you next week. And possibly there might be a part three. I had planned for this to be a two-parter, but as I was doing the research, I kind of feel like maybe it should be a three-parter. I will keep you all posted for that. Tomorrow, look out for the teaser for the Patreon-exclusive episode. I should have that up very soon after the teaser. Again, look out for updates on the social media at true crime and academia on instagram specifically is where i post the updates as always you guys know i need to get better at updating on my TikTok. but yeah so this is i just wanted this first episode to kind of just lay the groundwork lay the setting of the scene so as we move forward and break down this case you know we'll be bringing back some of these different elements that we discussed all right, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. Welcome to our summer season. We made it to summer 2022. I am here with Mary DePippi. Hi, Mary. Hello. I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Mary DePippi is our chief contributor. Uh, Nicole Arguello is our marketing assistant and Kimberly Dallas is our editor. So yay, our interns have positions. Okay. Yay. Um, please, please follow us on social media. We Mary posts so many creative things on her true crime and academia. How can they follow true crime, Mary? At true crime and academia on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. And then you can follow the ivory tower boiler room on Twitter at ivory boiler room. 
and at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on ready Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay, and you can email us. Um, we love to get pitched some episode ideas. So to do that, if you're a publicist out there, maybe you want to get one of your authors on our show. Go to Ivory Tower Boiler Room at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to our audience, to our listeners. We're really excited because we have a lot going on on our Patreon. So Mary, do you want to maybe update everyone on our Patreon account? Yes. So aside from the content that we've already been giving you, we will also be having extra special episodes Um, specifically for true crime. I will be having an extra bonus episode every month starting in June. <gasps> yeah. And the only same get that yes. if you are a subscriber. Yes. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. That's it. Just slash ivory tower boiler room. And we already have a lot of bonus material. First, there is a full episode um, with Ursula Klein in our book corners. So you're going to see all of these new special series that are going to pop up in the summer on ivory tower boiler room. Yes, Mary will do it too on true crime in academia. You can listen to a teaser on our podcast, but guess where the whole interview is? on our Patreon. So only a cup, not a cup, but a large cup of iced coffee um, at any of our favorite coffee companies. Um, you only have to pay $5 a month. So please join. We will recognize all of you who join. We'll shout you out during the summer. Um, you can see our video interviews too. And if you want to become an ivory tower, $15 a month, three cups of iced coffee, uh, member, you actually will get our tote bag, our t-shirt. Um, there's more, there's more. Oh, our mug. Cup. I'm drinking from our mug. <laughs> I should, <laughs> for everyone who will see this, I'm actually holding it up. It's a very cool mug. So we are so excited for all of you to join us this summer. I love hearing from all of you. I know Mary loves hearing from all of you. Direct mm -hmm. message us. We read them and yeah, check out our social media because we post so many clips from the shows. And I started to kind of finesse my way around TikTok. So Mary sees mm -hmm. how excited I get when I know how to add music and all these filters. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, please, please join us for our Instagram events this summer. We have a monthly book club. Every month we have our book club and we're going to start having television recaps um, we're going to have another open mic poetry event at pen and brush. So stay tuned. I think we might have a Halloween party, but just someone told me that. Okay. A little birdie, little birdie. Okay. I think we got it all Mary. So, I think so. on that note, let's put a bookmark in this. Yep. Bye everyone. <laughs>